Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode, another exciting episode of Tiny DevOps. The, the new year is here, and we decided to do an episode. Uh, I, I invited back my friend, Amando, to talk about definitions. So we're going we're gonna to try to start 2022 off with some clear definitions on some confusing topics. So welcome back, Amando. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, I'm excited to do this episode because our industry is so full of crazy and confusing buzzwords. And we're going to try to get to the bottom of some of these. Uh, we haven't actually discussed our own definitions before. So it's possible <laughs> that we will find that there's more confusion than we realize and we don't even agree on something here. So let's let's see what that's, happens. Yeah, that's kind of the idea to see what happens here. And uh, great to be here again. Let's, uh, let's see how it goes. All right. Great. So I, I reached out to my LinkedIn network uh, a few weeks ago and I told them when we were preparing to do this episode and I asked for some suggestions. I said, what terms in software development and in IT do you think are most often misunderstood? And we got some great suggestions. So we're going to start through that list here. The first one, since we're talking, this is a DevOps show. I think we should just tackle that one right away. The term DevOps. Do you want to start this one off since you're my guest? Tell me what you think DevOps actually means. I mean, you host Tiny DevOps, so I think you should start. You think I should start? Yeah, define your own podcast title. <laughs> So for me, the definition of DevOps really goes back to uh, 2009 when John Allspaugh and Paul Hammond gave their uh, seminal presentation. It's available on YouTube uh, called 10 Plus Deploys Per Day. And they laid out uh, a concept which we now call continuous deployment or continuous delivery. Uh, at the time, it was pretty new and revolutionary. And almost immediately after they gave their presentation, the first DevOps Days conference was organized and held a few months later on the same topics. So to me, that 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 talk is really important. Understanding that talk is important to understand what DevOps means. And the basic point they make in that talk is that sort of the traditional mindset between Dev and Ops is that developers' goal is to push as many changes as fast as possible into production because customers want that. And operations' goal, these uh, white-haired uh, old guys who just say no all the time, their goal is to prevent any changes from ever happening to production because they want things to be stable. So the point of this presentation was that this is the wrong way to look at things. And actually, the goal of both dev and ops is to enable the business to serve customers. So to me, DevOps is aligning the goals of dev and ops to serve customers. And, and that can be done in many different ways. Uh, the tools you use are are interesting and useful, but they don't make DevOps. So DevOps is, this is where it gets into that really fuzzy area where people say things like DevOps is a mindset because <laughs> it, it kind of is, but that's also not a very useful statement by itself, right? You have to explain the rest of the context. So I, I usually simplify when I'm talking about this to say DevOps is cooperation. And I, that's a, that's an obvious oversimplification, but, but I think it gets us in the right direction. Uh, if if you if you can replace the word cooperation or I'm sorry if you can take a sentence that says DevOps and replace it with cooperation and it makes sense you're probably on the right track. If it doesn't make sense, like you're talking about a DevOps team, and and you replace that and now it's a cooperations team, it, that doesn't make sense. Uh, so so that that's why I like to make that that oversimplification. Uh, that's my answer to what DevOps is. Uh, please disagree with me if you want to. 
That's a very interesting one. I mean, uh, if I if I got a one euro for every time I applied for a job for a DevOps team, uh, I'd have like five euros, which isn't much, but still, <laughs> more, than, still more than you'd expect. And uh, I'm not totally sure if the irony is lost in, on these people, uh, but um, yeah, I feel that DevOps, the, the, the term DevOps, the, the whole thing just comes from a, from the need to have a term to describe that thing that I guess you call cooperation, mm-hmm. which is totally right. Like, uh, I mean, at Trivago, I, I was part of the first team that actually used DevOps. And um, I guess it created some good things for the business also because suddenly you get uh, one person doing the job of two. So that's always good, less expenditure. And uh, you get more ownership, like uh, I'm more likely to watch over my code so I don't break production because if production does break, guess who's fixing it? Yeah. So it does a little bit of that. It creates more uh, ownership is not the, the actual word, but um, it is one of the words I want to use, but it's not the other word I want to use. But <laughs> <laughs> so many words to choose from. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, with so many languages in my head, English is not even my uh, my, my instinct anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I definitely created more of that and uh, cooperation, yes. Okay. And I've, I've seen some of your LinkedIn posts where uh, suddenly people want they suddenly, uh, oh, yeah, security. Oh, sorry. Well, you must have been talking about DevSecOps. So it's also about having terms that people want terms to describe things. And then you come up with these terms and none of them really make sense. It's just people want to name things. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem per se with DevSecOps if it provides value to your context. You know, if somebody yeah. suddenly is now thinking about security more because they're using the term, okay, great, use the term. But if you put everything that possibly could fit under that umbrella together, you're going to end exactly. up with a word that's, that's longer than, than Mary Poppins' uh, favorite word. You know, it's going to be ridiculous. So I, I just use the term DevOps to encompass biz, dev, sec, QA, AI, whatever, whatever, whatever ops. It, it just... It's the same. It's the same philosophy. The same principle of aligning goals to to achieve the the business outcomes. Yeah, I like your thing of replacing the word with collaboration or cooperation. And if it makes sense, then you're probably going the right way. Yeah. That's a pretty interesting way of looking at it. It's incredibly simplistic, but I I was trying to think to think of one where it wasn't accurate. And, <laughs> yeah. All right, that's the challenge for listeners. If you can find a place where replacing DevOps with collaboration or cooperation breaks things send me a note and uh i'd love to hear about it so i i, I admit that it is oversimplified uh it's devops is more than just that but uh it, it i think it points people in the right direction if they make that uh, that change yeah especially problem problem statements like uh, we need more devops we need more collaboration there we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right have we have we beat that horse shall we move on to the next one yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you on this one. You have a similar philosophy in this part anyway. So, yeah, maybe I'll change my mind later on. We'll see. Okay. We'll do that for the, the intro to 2023 episode. We'll we'll, we'll change yeah. our definitions again. <laughs> Let's move on to another big, hairy one. Agile. Mm. This one might even be more misunderstood than DevOps, and DevOps is pretty darn misunderstood. So, yeah. it's your turn to go first. Tell me what you think Agile means. Uh. I don't have the actual textbook definition, what anybody calls it, but to me, agile is something that is fast, whether it's fast to break or fast to fix, hopefully both. Mm-hmm. Anything that is not fast or as fast as it could be is less agile than optimal if you can use it as a as an adjective. So I just looked it up. Uh, 
the dictionary calls or says that agile is the ability to move quickly and easily. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're on a target there. I actually learned just yesterday uh, that when they were on their ski resort writing the agile manifesto, the word that they were using on that weekend wasn't agile. They were, they were, of course, internally they were deciding what to call it and everything, but their, their working title or their working concept was the word light, not agile. So they were working for light software development, but I, I guess they thought they didn't have the catchy ring to it. And and maybe they thought it would be even more misunderstood because light can mean so many things from a color to to physical light to uh, less fat in your mayonnaise or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So, but, but I, I like that context because uh, it, it, it has the same connotation about the ability to move quickly and easily. You know, you're not weighed down by procedures and extra whatever stuff you don't yeah, need it's, it's you have the space to adapt to the situation instead of but also like i mean uh what thing that always got me about the agile manifesto and people uh yelling like yelling it within corporations it's like um uh people and interactions over processes and tools if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. and then the first thing is like here's this tool every single time yeah agile it's, it's kind of become a religion uh, in, yes. in, maybe in good ways, but definitely in bad ways too. Um, I mean, I, I see people trying to beat each other, beat each other up over the head with the, the agile Bible, if you will, mm -hmm. and uh, so, sort of trying to shove it down people's throats. You have to be agile. You're not doing it my way. And I, I like to. And I mean, so perhaps sometimes it is agile to not be agile. <laughs> That's kind of the paradox, that. isn't it? Yeah. 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 It kind of, I, I, I don't want to get too philosophical or, or too religious here, but you know, it, it does. It, I think there's a, a strong parallel between the idea of trying to force agility on somebody uh, and the idea of trying to force somebody to believe in your religion. <laughs> you know that yeah, I mean, you can't do uh, either one. It doesn't make sense. It violates its own principles in doing so. Exactly. Like not all zealots are religious purely and simply by the religion we know. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of agile zealots walking around. Definitely are. <laughs> I like to go back to the Agile Manifesto. I don't think it's a perfect document, but I think it's a good document. Uh, there are some parts of it that are somewhat dated, uh, but if we take it in the context of when it was written uh, and you know what the computers had the capability to do at the time, um, so I'm, I'm thinking specifically of, of the idea that it says that we should uh, aim to release. Uh, I think in the principles it talks about we should release on the order of weeks or months with the preference for weeks. I think if they were to write that now, they would say with a preference towards minutes, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. in, in 2000 releasing, uh, you know, running your entire test suite uh, and, and releasing the, the instant you hit uh, merge wasn't feasible. Uh, it is now. So, you know, I, I don't think that that was meant to be a, a lower bound, I think, but if we look at the principle of it, uh, so, so that's one example, uh, and there aren't many, but that's one example where I think that the manifesto is somewhat dated, uh, but the principles are still sound, as long as we can look past the the written word to to what it's trying to communicate to us. I, I think it's it's very valuable, and when you do that, you get this sense of moving quickly and easily that so many zealots tend to forget about. Yeah, it's. I mean, this one is also relatively simple, so. I think, I don't know, because this would be actually more interesting with someone that doesn't really know these terms, like someone from the business side that maybe has a EMP course and uh, 
hasn't really looked into things that much. One of yeah, that's a good point. Could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because also, like another thing with definitions of and terms and stuff is that even if we disagree, it doesn't matter because we're not working together. <laughs> so, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, it's it's much more important that your PO agrees with well, at least your exactly. at least understands what you mean. Exactly. Uh, then that I understand what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So some sort of uh, internal document of definitions makes more sense than everyone having to agree on everything worldwide because it, it doesn't matter if I agree with someone on LinkedIn whether X means Y or it doesn't matter as long as the people that I work with daily and collaborate with daily both say the same things with the same words. That's good enough. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So perhaps we can move on to the next one. Yes. Uh, MVP. MVP. Yeah, I know you have some strong views on this one. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I I see this word used incorrectly all the time. Uh, and yeah, it's a really MVP. Uh, it's a really MVP thing to use it wrong all the time. I, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I, an argument could be made that are, are you using it wrong if if the people you talk to understand what you're talking about? And, and you know, it's, that, that's fine. Pretty easy to quantify. I mean, uh, whichever basketball player brings in the most money is the MVP. There you go. Yeah, but value yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, but there's a, there's a monetary value attached to it. But what so. is that money worth? No, I'm that's detracting too far. So, find my NFT. <laughs> to be clear, we're talking about an MVP product. Uh, the, the idea that you're you're building an MVP, um, and uh, for this one, I think it's important to to recognize where the term comes from. Uh, so so MVP, I, I guess I should have said this already, stands for minimum viable product, right? It's not a mi most viable player or whatever. Th those are fun too. Uh, so it's minimum viable product. And it, it it's important to understand where the term comes from if you want to understand what it means uh, or, or, or at least what it used to mean, <laughs> what it meant originally. A lot of people take MVP to mean simply a beta version or an alpha version of a product. You know, that we're going to build a first version of a product. It'll take six months and we're going to get it in front of some customers and we're going to iterate from there. There's nothing wrong with that approach per se, but that's not an MVP as it was originally defined. And the term was made popular um, by Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup. And he gives examples. Uh, the, the best known example, I think, is... Um, Zappos, the, the the online shoe retailer that's been, I think, bought by Amazon since then. But uh, the founder of Zappos, when he was starting, when he had the idea to sell shoes online, it was a very non-obvious idea. I, I don't remember when this was, mid, late, late 90s, I suppose. The idea of buying things online was already new. And the idea of buying something so personal as a pair of shoes that might not fit and you might not, and it might not feel quite right, even if it's the right number, that was very... Uh, a very unsure bet at the time. So rather than spending six months to build uh, a beta and, and trying to get a thousand customers and investing in a bunch of shoe inventory, he went to his local shoe store, took some photographs with a digital camera uh, of shoes, put them on a website. And then once he sold a copy, a pair of shoes, then he would go buy the shoes that he had just sold and then ship them to the customer at a loss. So this is, you know, when you when you think about this, that at a loss, I think, is a really important thing to remember here with the MVP. The goal of an MVP is not to have a million customers. It's not even to impress 50 customers. The, the point is to, to learn as quickly as you can about your business idea to see if it's viable. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what he did. He, and he was, I mean, when you, when you think about the fact that he was doing this at a loss, it might, it might make alarm bells go off in people's heads. Like, why would you do that? You can't make money that way. But consider the alternative, which was probably to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building a website versus losing 10 bucks a, a, a pop on selling some shoes that, uh, at a loss. Yeah, and it's also an incentive for people to do something that was not really um, normal to do at a time, which is buying shoes online. So if people see a $10, $20 difference from the store price, they might give it a shot, I suppose. So you might end up with more data than uh, otherwise. Yeah. So that's what an MVP is. It's, it's, it's the minimum product you can do to validate your business idea. Yeah. And uh, from a business perspective, not necessarily a tech one. Right. Like, I mean, we're an MVP now internally. And uh, one of the investors wanted to have a look over my architecture uh, design and everything. I was like, I think an architecture design is uh, precocious for an MVP. Exactly. So it's going to be a symphony application on the VPS. And he loved it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in, in some conversations, uh, I've had people bring up a related concept, which is a proof of concept, which, which is, yeah. you could kind of Something think of as, is kind of an MVP for technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ex- except there you actually want to prove that your technical idea works, not that the business idea works. So, you know, they, they have, they serve similar purposes, but one is business focused and one is, uh, is techno tech focused more or less. But this is an interesting thing for the definition, like uh, whatever an MVP is, it's uh it's more of a business first thing than, I mean, Eric Ries lean startup. That's where it came from. It didn't come from a technical book. Right. So, yeah, and I see a lot of developers just going way too far with MVPs. Like uh, if it takes you a month to build, it's maybe not an MVP. Right. Yeah, and an and, and MVP could be a, a landing page for a product that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a course on how to, how to launch Kubernetes on your Raspberry Pi or something. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know if anybody wants to do that. And so I don't want to spend all the hours it would take to write the script and, you know, whatever. So I'll just put up a landing page. Here, yeah. for a hundred bucks, you can buy this course. And if anybody clicks on it, it says, sorry, this isn't ready yet, uh, but I'll, I'll email you when it is or, or whatever. You don't even have to take money. Just see who clicks on the button. Yeah, I mean, at one point I wanted to see if uh, having written a book would make any any difference in how employable I was. So I just put up a fake book cover on my website and a link to download it. And uh, it, it didn't change anything. But of course, the, uh, the end was very... Uh, the end number was very small, yeah. so it could have been a difference. Yeah. But uh, that's that kind of stuff. Like um, you have to be super lazy to, for it. If you're if you're thinking too far, too much, it's probably not an MVP. And like also, you've sent some uh, emails on your newsletter. The uh, humans are Turing complete thing. Some are, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like a lot of manual work for an MVP is okay. And I'm glad that the team I'm working with they're aware of this, so they know that in the beginning, like uh, maybe some stuff will be on a Google Sheet and you're going to have to do it manually. And they're perfectly aware that that's the case, so that's good. But a lot of people from the start, I mean, I've done the same mistake as well. Like, uh, so yeah, yeah. Manual work is okay for an MVP. It doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be super complex. Isn't a proof of concept because if you're trying to prove that something works technically, that's not the MVP. Right. The MVP is whether someone will pay you for this. Exactly. And this can be done by mechanical Turk uh, people. I recently heard a podcast where somebody was talking. Uh, they were making the case that their product could not have had an MVP because their product was automation based. And I was listening to the podcast thinking. You don't understand an MVP, if or automation, or, or automation. But I mean, I, I think I think their product was uh, rebuilding Kubernetes clusters or something like it was something fairly technically involved uh, that needed mm-hmm. to be automated. Uh, 
but you know, my thought was your MVP should validate whether customers want to pay for this, not whether you can do the thing. A landing page and a checkout button. A landing page would work. You could even say for our MVP, we will deploy your Kubernetes for you, but it takes eight hours and we're going to do it manually with keyboards and have six people in India doing it for you. You know, that could be an MVP too. And over time we're going to automate it. So it's faster. So, you know, yeah. uh, but th- this person who uh, just, just hadn't thought of it from that angle and that, that's fine. You know, maybe, and maybe they, they didn't need that. I don't know, but saying you can't do an MVP probably means you don't understand what an MVP means. Could be, but I mean, like, for example, a lot of the, uh, in the startup place where I am, there's a lot of people that they've been going like a year now without a product, they're pre-product, but they have money in the bank. They have things going on and their MVP was essentially a pitch deck. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> to an extent, yeah, because the, we are getting money. getting money from customers is one thing, getting money from investors is another. So it's two different things going on there. Yeah. And there's, of course, different business models. And I don't know that an MVP is appropriate for all business models or all cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, an MVP is most useful, I think, when you have a completely untested market idea, like selling mm-hmm. shoes online for the first time. If I was going to sell, if I was going to start selling shoes online right now, I probably wouldn't do an MVP or at least not at that level. It would be a very different, it would be more of a POC. Uh, uh, and, and it, then it's a question of, can I, do I have a niche that's small enough to, to make money or do I have enough billions to invest to start competing with Zappos or something like that? Yeah. But it's a very I mean, different question I need to answer than will people buy shoes online? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because now you know that they will. So it's not necessarily, uh, it's not MVP stage. Like, uh, probably can even get uh, shoe store themes for Shopify for free if you want. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it's an interesting one. So MVP, something it has to, has, you have to be lazy to get one done. Well, pretty much. Yeah. 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 A lot of stuff is scrapped. A lot of stuff might be manual. A lot of stuff might not even be there. I mean, I remember at one point um, I was working for this online store and they wanted to test, um, they wanted to test something. I don't remember what it was. And my suggestion for the MVP was just having the button on the page and seeing if people actually clicked it to see if they would actually use it. Yeah. And, uh, because if, if if you create a new feature and it's just hidden behind some link somewhere, you don't even know if people are going to click that link. Right. So you're not even sure if you can provide the value to the customer if they're going to find it organically. So you should test that before you develop anything. And yeah. So next on the list we have API. Now, this is an interesting one because it's uh, it's uh, it almost has a, d- a technical definition. Um, but I guess it, it, MVP is also an acronym that's fairly specific, but. Uh, what do you think an API is? I think the actual term is application programming interface. Yeah. But um, it's anyway any any it's communication perhaps is a very simple name for it. Uh, API is communication perhaps. Uh, one program using abstractions of another. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a program. I mean you can consider like a a kitchen um making requests to a chef there's an api there involved it's just simplifying communication simplifying input and output expectations perhaps but uh, like you were saying it doesn't necessarily have to be a rest service so yeah yeah i mean uh, an interesting one is a development team if you have a proper properly set up system uh, you're going to have gyra you create a task in gyra developers take care of it that is kind of an api going on there there's a, uh, what's the word, um, a certain format of input that goes in and a certain format of output that goes out depending on the input. 
but that's that's not necessarily API, is it? API is just the transfer of it's an interesting one. Okay, I'm curious what the <laughs> order is. So I think an API. I mean, you got the you got the acronym right. Um, I think of an API as a, a defined way that computers speak to each other or computer programs speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page on the topic, and it contrasts an API to a user interface, which I think is a good uh, a good analogy. Uh, you know, a user yeah. interface is how computers interact with people, or vice versa. Whereas an API is how computers or computer programs interact with each other. But not necessarily. Like for example, the Arduino bootloader has an API. That's that's the same. Yeah, how, how would you call it in that sense? I mean, even microchips in, uh, themselves have yeah. APIs to for the, for the code running in them to communicate with themselves. So that's 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 a case of hardware so, talking to software, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, uh, also different layers of abstraction. Like I uh, don't necessarily, although this is a uh, compiled stuff. So yeah, let's let's not mention that one. Let's just. <laughs> Let's not leave people asking more questions than when they came in. So, yeah, anyway, um, I, I think the important point to make here, because I think the confusion most people make, oh, those who do make confusion, is they think mm-hmm. that an API means a web service. It means mm-hmm. I, it means that I'm writing a service that talks to a, another service over the web, usually REST, but it could be SOAP or, or some other XML-based uh, web service. But... I think the important thing is the API does not mean web service. A web service is an example of an API, but it's by no means the only one. And in fact, before web, the web existed, APIs existed. Uh, if, if, you know, and, and often APIs are just uh, the way you call a function. You know, if you have a shared library, it has an API. Uh, and, and so, you know, that, that in fact, that's how I learned about APIs. Was I, when I first learned of APIs, I thought of it as the set of functions in this shared library and, and how they're used. Yeah. Uh, and so the web, the web concept actually came later. Youngsters don't realize that, but what that came later. I was, I was going to suggest that because, uh, yeah, I mean, libraries, etc. they all have APIs and how to, uh, how to work with them. Uh, but I guess a lot of principles apply to design a good API. They apply to probably all APIs. So, which is very similar to object oriented programming in general. I think you're right. I think a lot of the same concepts that that come from, you know, things like good good function names in object oriented programming, you want good depending on how your API is designed, you want good endpoint names or good function names or mm-hmm. the parameters you pass, they should be yeah. clearly named and so on. And I forget what the actual technical term for it is, but like uh, it just needs to know as little as possible about each other. Um, isolation of concerns, probably, or something along those lines. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So that would all apply. And I mean, I've heard people say that microservices is just object-oriented programming, but uh, through a network. In a sense. Uh, I mean, calling it calling microservices just anything <laughs> is a little bit dangerous, yeah. but but on principle, I think you're right. <laughs> it's very similar. It's just uh, now you have uh, latency to think about. Yeah, and, and fault tolerance and... and all, a thousand other things. Thus, it's not just anything, but but yeah, my, point stands. My, uh, <laughs> I I hope my employers don't listen to this. But uh, <laughs> my uh, my philosophy with microservices is we'll implement it when I can hire somebody else to to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, microservices are are great uh, for certain problems. Uh, but, yes, but a lot of people don't have those problems. So. <clears throat> Let's talk about done. Yeah. Shall we, that's, shall we define uh, done? 
That's a, that's a great one. I can uh, I can put on my uh, sea level hat for this one. Okay. And I have a good analogy. I think you like. So I'm, I'm ready. Hit me. Yeah. So done again. This is a thing that it depends from uh, team to team, company to company. But to me, done means when something is in production, working, and customers can interact with it. To me, that's what done means. But whenever somebody says done, I question, not question, but I look at who they are to see kind of what they mean. Because uh, if you ask a mechanic, hey, is my engine done yet? They might say yes, and the engine might be done, but it might, might not be back in the car yet. It might still be on the shop floor, you know? Yeah. And uh, if an engineer tells me something is done, maybe the thing that is done is still not back in the car. Uh, but if a business person tells me done, the way I see it is, uh, is it generating revenue for me yet? So, yeah, but it, it is good to have some sort of alignment here. And um, I do get the argument that like I sent my software off to QA, it's done. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. But it's not because it could come back, for example. Even when it's in production, it might not be done if it hasn't been going and working for a week. Mm-hmm. It might still come back and, be, and have uh, some things that really need, uh, cr- let's say, critical bugs that affect its functionality. Because if you if you don't count, if you count minor bugs as something not being done, then things are never done done. And then you start saying done twice. And if you have to say done twice, you know that your definition of done is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I also said uh, once one time someone asked me if something was done, and I said it was pretty done. Pretty done. And, uh, okay. Pretty done. Yeah. So I, I, I mostly agree with you, I think, um, although I, I definitely think context matters, uh, and yes. specifically in the context of, say, a Kanban board or Jira or something like that. It is important to know when you can move that ticket from in progress to done. And that probably isn't the same as it's generating revenue and there are no bugs and customers are happy with it. Because you probably don't know that until after it's been in front of customers for days or weeks or sometimes longer. Yeah, but I think it's also, uh, this one, I think it's also part like, especially management, depending on who they ask, because uh, there's different people involved in different parts of something. And depending on who you ask, their part might be done. Right. Uh, QA might have already tested it. He might say it's done, but it might not have been deployed to production yet. Then it's not done, done in the sense that the person that is asking expects. So this is definitely something that internally everyone needs to agree on and perhaps even create names for other things like your stages on your on your Kanban board in Jira or whatever other system you're using. Yeah. And how many are there anyway? <laughs> so Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, mean, I think that every team should define done to, to whatever degree is necessary on their team. Some teams, maybe it's, it's intuitive and they don't need a formal definition of, and that's fine if that works. <laughs> Oh, that's, um, I think that's very difficult. I, I think it probably is, but I, I think maybe on certain small teams, maybe it, it's okay. If you have two people and you just kind of work it out or whatever. But if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're saying it's done except for, I think that's the time when you need to formalize what done means. Because you're, <laughs> if, if you have to verbally uh, provide your exceptions to, to your done state, then it's not actually done. And it would be really useful just for communication purposes to agree on what done actually means. Yes. And this is this goes both ways. This is not just something, a definition you can agree in, uh, let's say, isolation from each other. Right. Because it's also about the person that is asking. They also need to know what they're asking. Because if they're just asking, is it done, and they don't have a definition, then they don't know what they're asking. So That's true. That's yeah. true. My wife and I have this problem almost every day when it comes to dinner time. 
She'll say dinner's. Well, she says ready, which is the definition of ready is a whole other topic, right? Well, but what she means else. is done, which is also confusing if you're trying to apply scrum terms. Well, actually, actually, maybe I prefer ready. Yeah. Maybe I prefer ready. Like, uh, is the engine done? Yes. Is the car ready? No. See, this 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 is this is where these definitions are really useful because in in uh, on on most scrum teams, definition of ready happens before you start the work. Yeah, right? yeah okay but like a dinner could be done but um it could still be like all uh, the oven hasn't been opened yet right. uh, the pot is still closed dinner see, is that's done. what my wife means ready yeah dinner dinner's Please. dinner's done to her means now yeah. it's time to come set the table and pull the food out of the oven to me exactly. dinner's done means i can sit down now and i can start serving my plate so we have this this conflict uh, almost every day <laughs> yeah, so you also need some sort of internal document. Yes, we need a wiki. Yeah. If only we had Jira for our household uh, r runnings, we could just put it in yeah, Glassbox. Others doing that, they probably need therapy in a few months off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All oh, we're agile hurt you. Have we have we done done, or do we need to to do more? Is it done except for something else? Uh, we're done then. We could do the hacker or hacking if that's yes, relevant. Yes, yeah, missed that one. A hacker or hacking. What is that? Because uh, you hear this come up. In fact, recently I saw it on a on a social media conversation where somebody made some bold claim that hackers are evil, or I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, what do you think? Are hackers evil? And uh, if if so, or or if not, explain your your answer. I wouldn't say so. I mean, uh, I even have a, a title of the art, uh, a, a title of an article which is complete bollocks, and I know it is. But um, GDPR rules—do they make hacking legal in a sense? Because uh, if if companies are required to give you your information on your request, <clears throat> uh, you can you can do that with hacking. Uh, but uh, things are not as easy to hack anymore. But uh, I guess if you're a developer, you should know how to break your own stuff and if you can break your own stuff you can figure out how other things are done and uh know how to break other stuff it's like uh it's perhaps quite software quite software related because it's a uh, reverse engineering stuff um my words don't come out properly today but uh, <laughs> when i was first learning sql for example I knew what I shouldn't do for it to not be vulnerable. That this doesn't really happen anymore. Mm -hmm. But when I started learning that, I started learning when other systems I was using were vulnerable. And of course, I played around with it a lot. I got a lot of interesting information. And uh, I mean, at one point, I got uh, yeah, I was able to display whatever page I wanted on a competitor's uh, website. Just a search button. They had a search field. You could put in any URL. Uh, as long as before it, it had some quotes or whatever, mm -hmm. and it would display whatever was in that URL. So that's uh, beautiful for phishing and stuff like that. Like, hey, your account is hard, etc. But uh, that doesn't really matter. But um, also credit card information. Even when all the all the credit card payment suppliers tell you to not save data locally, which is why they tell you. And uh, yeah, but hackers are not evil. Why well, that doesn't make any sense. That's just a strange LinkedIn post just to attract. <laughs> attention so uh, d do you have a definition for what you th you consider hacker or or hacking to be uh getting access to something you shouldn't have access to okay i have a broader definition of hacking th than that actually okay um what you described i would describe as cracking 
Yeah, fair. Uh, which is gaining unauthorized access to something. Uh, and it could mm -hmm. be someone's account. It could be breaking DRM on music yeah. on your iPod or, or rooting your phone or any of that sort of stuff yeah. is cracking. This is sending some software to bypass the uh, if condition for the license. Exactly. And now that is a form of hacking, but I think hacking is broader than that. I, I see hacking as, this is a very informal definition. I haven't looked it up, but this is just my concept of it. Playing with something to learn how it works. Or, yeah, or to see what you can do with it. That's with another definition, which is uh, this is uh, how a lot of people actually use it, especially in mainstream media and stuff, is using something for something it wasn't intended to be used for. Sure. Like uh, this guy hacked uh, gambling sites, or not gambling sites, but like uh, this this woman hacked Tinder. Or, or life hacks, right? Yeah, Use duct tape yeah. to, to wash your dishes or whatever magic you might come up with, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that kid from TikTok already ruined those with his... Uh... <laughs> But I mean, but, I, I think uh, of myself as a hacker. In fact, I think of my 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 daily work, writing code, is is yeah. largely hacking. Uh, it's yeah. I'm not trying to break into any systems. I'm just okay. I need to solve this problem. How am I going to do it? I don't know. I'm going to try a bunch of different things and see what works and 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 what can I do with this? And you know, so the reverse engineering kind of yeah, thing. De definitely reverse engineering. I would say is hacking, uh, even if it's not software. Like if you're reverse engineering a piece of hardware or a lawnmower, you might even call that hacking if you want to. Yeah, fair. I mean, uh, a lot of maker spaces, a lot of people consider themselves hackers in those. Yeah. So, hmm. So it sounds like even amongst ourselves, there's still uh, some ambiguity here, and, and I think that's okay. But even within ourselves, well, I didn't quite say that right, did I? Like, I didn't mean like within myself, but like uh, between the two of us, there's still some ambiguity, <laughs> perhaps within but ourselves even, as well. I don't know. Even like, there's like I said, like this only only really matters if. Uh, the people that you work with agree on the same definition because otherwise it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But uh, this is an interesting topic because, uh, I mean, even if you go for like a society, um, people have to know what the words mean. And uh, if people start changing the meaning of words, then you can't get anything done because uh, if you hear, hear a certain word, you expect it to be a certain thing. But it turns out five years ago, Merriam-Webster changed it to something slightly different, just enough to cause confusion. Yeah. So, Yeah. We can create a dysfunctional team. We can create a dysfunctional society. I think you touched on a really good point, though, uh, which I, I think they call white hat versus black hat hacking, yeah. right? Yeah. So black like hat, black if hat I'm not mistaken, is the idea of breaking into something for nefarious for purposes. Yeah. And white hat is generally the the idea of breaking into something to, to demonstrate how it can be broken into so that you can fix those security holes. Although there might be other reasons, but... Yeah, I mean, that's the reason Amazon pays out sometimes 20K for people to bring vulnerabilities to them. Yeah. Uh, I think 20K is still very little for some stuff because uh, if, if you could theoretically profit millions from it, 20K isn't going to cut it. Yeah. But uh, I think they have, uh, I think for stuff like that, they would cut you a slightly different deal. Mm. So that's, uh, but I mean, even white hat hacking, like at one, one point I gained access to credit cards in some online store and I sent an email saying, hey guys, you have this vulnerability and so on and so on, you should probably fix it. And, um, but of course, like uh, the reaction wasn't, uh, I expected it to be strange because it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like working for, um, for an alarm company and then writing a letter saying, Hey, you weren't home. So, um, I left that letter in your, uh, I'm selling alarms. You weren't home. So I left this letter on your kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, uh, Hey, you have this vulnerability and here's all the credit cards for your customers and all the, all the transactions since 2004. So it's, it's a bit like, oh, are you scamming me or, uh, yeah. And then nothing, nothing changes.
but there's definitely that. And then there's also the gray hat, which is if it's if if it's more profitable to be black hat, you go black hat. If it's more profitable to be white hat, you go white hat. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Red Hat, but that's just a company owned by IBM and it sells Linux distributions. So it's completely yeah, and they're they're an amazing money making machine. <laughs> All right, tell me what you think of the difference between an engineer and a developer. I could think in different ways. This case, like if I'm a developer, I might think some things. If I'm an engineer, I might think other things. But um, without trying to be trying to act superior or anything, an engineer will actually engineer. It's a, it's also a verb. Um, a developer might be someone that uh, has a, a smaller scope in what they actually do. Like an engineer might engineer the system, which has a lot of just thinking going on. A developer might, uh, yeah, engineer might write the um, Swagger documentation for some API. The developer will do it. But uh, that that you could also say that that's more of an architect. So it depends. But uh, engineers definitely have a broader scope in what they do. Developers code more, think less, because the thinking was already done for them. If you're a developer and you have to think a lot, perhaps you're an engineer. <laughs> I don't have a strong feeling on these terms. You could also throw programmer in there if you wanted to, or even coder. You know, there's, there's maybe different degrees of these uh, things. But these terms are often used synonymously. Yeah. My my thoughts on this, I, it's a very different angle than what you just said. And I don't I don't disagree with what you, what you said. It's also not strong in any means. It was just one of the ways I could think yeah, about it. I could I, yeah, I can definitely see it working that way. My, yeah. my personal thought on it is that engineer is usually a bad metaphor for what we do in software. The, the, yeah. There are times when it maybe is appropriate, but... Um, and, and this kind of comes out of the software craftsmanship uh, ideology, which I don't 100% buy into either. But, um, you know, they, they kind of make the point that engineering kind of implies a big project, like maybe a flight to the moon, for example. Uh, there were probably mm -hmm. software, there was software engineering going on there in the sense that uh, kind of this waterfall approach, a big design up front, you just you decide all your requirements and your constraints and so on and, and engineer the system and then just have the little sort of peon coders build the stuff that you that you engineered. You know, and so mm -hmm. in that sense, you know, in the in the truest, most complete sense, that's probably definitely software engineering. That and, and maybe those projects do still exist. Uh, maybe they even should exist. Uh, I don't know, but I don't think that's what most of us are doing, uh, except in maybe very small, small, on a small, very small scale. Yeah. So you're saying like the most, the more agile something is, the less engineering is going on. Kind of, uh, sort of. <laughs> uh, I mean it. Engineering is still happening, but it happens in a different way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, let's say a bridge. Uh, a lot of stuff is a given, like uh, gravity, uh, the amount of weight that is going to drive through it. A lot of things are a given, but uh, with software, nothing really is a given. So less engineering has to go on, and it's more of a hacking. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, so so I mean, there are definitely people who make the claim that uh, agile software development fails because it doesn't believe in engineering or specifically XP because it doesn't believe in this sort of engineering approach. I'm, I'm not actually sure that I agree with that. Um, I'm looking up something quickly. I can see the logic behind it. The, the thing is that 
agile software practices and, and XP in particular uh, do engineering. They just do it in a different way. Uh, I, I did a recent episode with uh, J.B. Rainsberger where he talked about evolutionary design, which I don't think we use the term uh, engineering in that in that conversation. Um, but I, I think it's the same sort of thing. I mean, it's it's the idea that you can you can build a design or engineer design piece by piece as you need it rather than doing it all at once. So in that sense, it still is engineering. It's just, it's a very, it's a different kind of engineering. And, and if you want to use analogies, and I think this is why the software craftsmanship group say engineering is a bad analogy because it doesn't really feel like it fits here. It feels more like a gardening activity or painting a masterpiece or something. You know, it's, it's more of a step-by-step -step iterative feel your way through the system rather than a, a big engineering effort up front. So, does that mean that I think that, are, that software engineer is a bad title? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I think it's mainly synonymous with software developer or programmer. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess, I mean, all analogies are limited. That's why they're called analogies and not the thing. So, yeah, those are some of my thoughts. I don't have a strong conclusion about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. Like, uh... Yeah, you could say that less premeditated planning is less engineering in a sense. But I'm just opening up the the uh, Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. And uh, the term engineering is derived from the Latin ingenium, meaning cleverness. And uh, ingeniare, which means to contrive or device. Okay. Eyes. Well, we definitely did those things even in agile uh, iterative development, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But also like uh, engineering, like uh, the word engineer is um, not everyone can have that title everywhere. Right. For example, in Portugal, you cannot be an engineer if you don't have a master's or a, might, be a, might be a bachelor's. But uh, Portugal is strange because of people with just a bachelor's are also sometimes called doctor. So uh, I, th yeah, I think the same is true in Canada uh, that you have to have a, a master's or something to be considered an, yeah. a, a, an engineer. So it's a protected title, and that's maybe why the word developer and coder and stuff like that popped up because there's a lot of people. I don't know if if a lot is the right word, but there's a, a substantial number of people in this field that don't have degrees. Well, so. I certainly think that the term or the the title, the job title, engineer, has become devalued. Uh, at least in America, the United States, where where I lived m most of my life, mm -hmm. you would have engineer tacked onto anything, uh, customer support specialist engineer or or sales engineer or whatever. It, it just, you're just a salesperson, yeah. you know. So you just yeah. you just kind of tack on engineer to make you look more impressive with without changing the job description at all. So yeah, I've had a WordPress engineer. Yeah, <laughs> and we all know WordPress wasn't engineered, right? <laughs> Oof. Although I I don't dislike WordPress. I don't dislike Automatic. They're cool. You know that um, everyone who starts, regardless of their title, uh, starts off with two weeks of customer support. Okay, I guess I won't be working there. <laughs> that's that's exactly they want to weed you out yeah well they did <laughs> i wouldn't have worked there anyway i don't want to work at php uh but uh yeah, fair, yeah. so they weeded me out in several different fronts yeah php is a no no, no, no disrespect for those who like php i just don't like it and and it's okay that you don't like the things i like too so you know yeah i mean there's ways to make it less sucky but of course if you're coming from go there's no reason whatsoever why you why you do php unless you're getting unless you're getting paid 120 euros an hour for it then yeah i guess that might help yeah cool 
Yabo. All right, then. So shall we call this an episode? I think we've just we've tackled some hairy definitions. We've come to a few I conclusions. Think so. uh, the DevOps definition, but we didn't define what is a big DevOps and what is a oh, tiny yeah. DevOps. Okay, that might be an interesting one. So the the way I look at it is that most of the DevOps literature out there, uh, and I, I don't just mean written words. I also mean YouTube presentations or your conference talks and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, most of it's about the the big companies, Fang, you know, that comes from Google and Netflix. In fact, the ten plus deploys a day, I, I think that was from Netflix. Uh, but it's uh, you know, Netflix, Google, Amazon, uh, Spotify. These these companies are the ones that are making all the big splashes, and and that's great. I, I love it. Uh, I like listening to their success stories. I like to hear how they were able to uh, handle. 15 billion requests per second or expand to, you know, 10,000 Kubernetes nodes or whatever, all these technical challenges. It's fun. The same way I like to listen to the stories of how they landed on the moon and and, and that stuff. But most of us are never going to do those things. Most of us won't land on the moon or deploy 10,000 node Kubernetes clusters. And even if we do, that probably won't be our only job. Most of us work in small companies, small to medium sized companies, or we will at some point in our careers. And those companies face a certain uh, type of challenges that the big companies usually don't. They're, they usually have lower budgets. They have fewer people on staff. They have fewer seniors on staff. And so they, they, need, to, they need to solve these problems, the same sorts of DevOps problems, the cooperation and collaboration problems. But they don't have these deep pockets and huge data centers and all the fancy things that the big players have. So that's what tiny DevOps is. It's focusing on the the smaller companies that have to solve the same sorts of problems yeah so basically um the smaller problem well, not smaller problems but uh tiny refers more to the company than the devops itself right. because uh, yeah yeah so I, I i target my consultancy and and this this channel also i try to keep the topics relevant to people that are trying to do devops in a uh, on a team of one to 20 25 people yeah, I think there will still be a lot of relevance to people on larger teams, but if you have a problem that's specific to a fifty-person or a thousand-person team, it's not for this channel. Yeah, fair. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. It was fun talking about definitions. It's fun to see you again. Let's do it again. I'd love to have you back on the show uh, for some more definitions or another catch-up uh, at a later time. Yeah, for sure. My English wasn't great today because I was just thinking in Norwegian all the time. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure your English was better than my Norwegian would have been. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're living, do you speak any Dutch? Not really. Being in the Netherlands? Not really. Yeah, so not, very little. Okay. Yeah, I could read a venue. Because uh, Dutch Norwegian is quite easy. I did notice that when I was in Norway, that the signs looked almost like, like somebody misspelled Dutch. Yeah, basically. Just like Dutch looks like misspelled English. So it's just a few misspellings away from... Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Hope you tune in again later.